Second Kings chapter 12. And, you know, going through uh, the word, you know, we're going to take a look back and we're going to take a step forward into the new year. And, and this was a new season for Judah uh, during this time. And one of the things in your Bibles, um, you know, because a lot of times people will say there's a lot of errors in the Bible. The, the Bible is full of errors. And that's, that's, that's a, um, a wrong term. There's variance in the Bible. Um, and variance, a variance is a slight difference of a name change or name spelling or punctuation. And there's probably about 58,000 uh, of those variants, but the variant doesn't affect the text. Let me give you an example. John, I could say a sentence, John has the apple. J-O-N. John has the apple. And then I could say it this way. J-O-N has a apple. And I could use a third sentence. Johnny has a Macintosh. It's the same thing. It, so those are, that's a type of variance. And we, we see this in today's text, that there is a variance in Joash's name. Uh, it's spelled uh, in two different places, uh, a little different, which is probably a copious error. So one, this is one of those variants. So let's start this morning. I, you know, I entitled the message, A Look Back, A Step Forward Into the New Year. We're one step closer to the coming of the Lord. You know, we got to look at it that way. We're one step closer to the coming of the Lord. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king and reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Zibiah of Beersheba. Jo- uh, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priests instructed him, but the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So this was the seventh year of the tenth king, king of the northern part of Israel. Jehu here is a reference, or he's a historical point of significance, just to make it um, you understand that. He was, this is the time it happened. It was in the time of the 10th king of Israel. But Joash became king here at the age of seven. He was seven years old when he became Judah's eighth king. And he ruled the southern kingdom of Judah for 40 years. You know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, he's the, the, in the seventh year, which is perfect, he the, the word, uh, the number for per, per perfection, he becomes the king, the eighth king, speaking of new beginnings, but it was after 40 years comes judgment uh, to this king. And this king was a student and a leader. And while he was humble, the Lord was blessing him. Jehoiada, the priest, the high priest, was his main influence, his teacher, for he instructed the king as his mentor and his spiritual overseer. He gave the king guidance and counsel, and his counsel was from God's word. 
But here we have the conjunction, but. And whenever there's a but, there's, 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 a, there's usually something happens that's very, um, that we have to point out as serious. And here in the verse, it indicates the high places were not taken away and the people still sacrifice and burn incense on the high places. This is a big problem. This is a big problem. Not having things in their proper place or in their proper order is a big problem to God. You see, they were worshiping. These people were worshipers. It sounds good. These people were spiritual. They were making sacrifices. It sounds good. They were spiritual. They made a habit of doing religious things. But not as God had instructed. These things did not please God, nor were, there, were they in any way beneficial to God's people. What they, were, what they were actually doing by worshiping and sacrificing and doing all these things, it didn't please God, but the, the Bible tells us it caused the people to stumble. And it also caused the people... Uh, to be caught in a snare. And number three, God actually abhorred the worship and their sacrifices. They were an abomination to him. Meaning the rituals here were a disgusting thing to God. He took no pleasure in them. And let's take an honest assessment of ourselves. Because God gives us a clear assessment of who the people were and what they were doing. It wasn't well-pleasing. Let's take an honest assessment of ourselves. Are are there things in our lives that are out of place? Am I doing things or am I living? Am I worshiping how God prescribed in his word? Or am I doing it my own way? And that's the big problem. You know, God has a certain way that we should do things. And a lot of times we think we know better. Like it's no problem. God says we should do it this way, but I think it's fine. God should be okay with it is kind of the attitude that we could have. You know, I remember when I was growing up and I used to see my uncles and my aunts, you know, um, you know, in their marriages and, and I would observe them. And, you know, or just the older guys in the neighborhood when they were cruising around, you know, in their nice cars, they would have usually their wife or their girlfriend next to them real close. I guess it was the thing in the day. And, you know, it was kind of a place where they sat and, and, and I, I observed it and it was kind of a place of honor where they, where they used to sit. And where you sit is kind of a place of honor. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. When Jesus ascends and goes to heaven, the Bible tells us that he sat down on the right hand, right side of the throne of God. You know, it seems like yesterday in in 2003, I bought a a Ram, a Dodge Ram 1500. And I bought it because it was a six-seater. And you know, having four kids and Angelica and myself made six. So, you know, we, I bought that truck and I remember as I bought that truck, sorry, 
You know, even a lot when we were alone, you know, the kids had a certain place where they sat, you know, for car seats and all that good stuff. But Angelica used to sit right next to me. You know, we, I had a bench seat. It was real nice. And, and Angelica sat right next to me. You know, even when we were alone without the kids, and that was Angelica's seat. You know, a, a place of honor. And one day, you know, I remember one day I was approached by one of my friends. Our kids played baseball together. And, you know, he walked over to me and, and he said, hey, bro, um, can you not do that anymore? You're making us look bad. You know, why, my, my wife was sitting right there in a the place of honor. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, we, we could be watching a movie and, you know, usually Angelica sits right next to me on the side and it never fails as, as she gets up, she goes to go get something from the refrigerator, maybe a drink or snack for us. Um, it never fails. My dog Duchess always comes and sits in that place. And, you know, she gets comfortable and cozy and right. She cuddles up right next to me. And then here comes Angelica with her little fist on her on her hips. And her saying is, as long as you're comfortable, Duchess, you know, and, you know, with, and without fail, you know, Duchess will swoop in and start sitting there. You know, she says it's because this is a place reserved for her. But imagine me driving down the street. And, you know, I have one of the brothers sitting right next to me. I have this six-seater car, and, and he's sitting right, that, that would be out of place. Or somebody who's not my wife, that would be out of place. But that's the same thing when, when we, we do, when we put things in the place, people or things in the place, where it is reserved for God alone in our lives. You see, that's Angelica's place. But there's a place for God in your life. A place of honor should be the Lord. He should be first. Do we put people and places in a place where is reserved for God? You know, I call this the modern day high places. It could be your phone. It could be social media, sports, hobbies. It could be your relationships or your pursuit of relationships, your pursuit of education, even your family could take priority over your relationship with God. It becomes a high place. You're, it's out of position. It is, you know, it should be in your life, but it's out of order. You know, I've seen it many times where people in pursuits of relationships, they, you know, they meet a guy or a girl and, and they're gone. They love the Lord. They were worshiping. They were faithful and they're gone. I've seen kids go to college and they're gone. You know, they loved the Lord. They were serving in ministry. And, and it's sad. They're gone in their pursuits. Something took the place. Something is out of order. You see, there's, like what I learned with my dog, there's, there's always something ready to take that spot in that place. And we need to be careful that we don't allow anything to get cozy in that spot that is reserved for God. These things are not bad of themselves. But when things or people are held to higher priority in, over our relationship with God, they become our high place. They become our high place. And as Christians, we have a perfect king, Lord Jesus. As Christians, we have been given a new beginning and a new kingdom to come. But there are things in our life that need to be.
be removed. And, and I know this for a fact because the Lord has been dealing with me, me with this over the last year. You need to remove that from your life. And you know, if, if it ain't one thing, it's another. And the Lord is telling me this is becoming a high place in your life. In priority, where am I? I'm out of place. Take a look. But there is a need for things in my life to be removed. We need to take an honest look. You know, we have good teaching through the Word of God, through Pastor Joe. But even so, we we have great teaching. But if high places are in our life and they're not removed, eventually we're going to stumble. We're going to be ensnared and that word snare is a trap from you going forward and your, you know, stunt your spiritual growth. And eventually, like these people, these things, these high places can lead you away from God. It doesn't take much, as we will see a little later here in the text. So take a, you know, we're called to examine ourselves. We're, we're called to take an honest assessment. Is there anything that is taking that spot? If there's anything in our life, we need to give it over to God. And we need to leave it behind and step forward. Meaning, leave it in its proper place behind you and start walking with the Lord. And we really need to take a search of the heart. Here in verse 4 through 5, Joash makes an assessment of the temple. And it says, And Joash said to the priests, All the money of the dedicated Gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priest take it themselves, each for his, from his constituency or his community, and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found." So here, obviously, Joash makes an assessment because he saw that there was a problem. But it's not enough to recognize there is a problem. But we see Joash had a plan to take action. The temple was something great and valuable, but its stewards had, be, had neglected its care. The stewards, the, the, the people in the ministry neglected the care of the temple. Well, so he has a call to action. And here's the plan. They give all the money that a man purposes in his heart and they bring it to the house of the Lord. And this is one of our Calvary distinctives. We don't ask for money. If wherever God guides, he provides. That's the philosophy. And if things are looking shabby and run down, from this free will offering will provide not only for the care of its leaders, but also for the repair of of the temple. And I praise the Lord for the giving and I pray that we're good stewards and that we would use the 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 funds wisely for God's people and for God's glory. You know, currently, I don't know if you guys notice we're there there's a few changes here. Over the last few months we have made assessments. If you look on the wall there's probably a little uh paint color over there. There's a little uh little changes over there, but you'll you'll start noticing things we had the roof gutters repaired and some paint touch up and 
there's things that need to be done. And you'll be noticing some changes within the next couple of months as we've made observations. And if we haven't made these observations, we would be bad stewards if we didn't care and the church falls into disrepair and neglect. So we've been taking care of things. Are there still things to be done? Absolutely. In the next few months, you'll see a transformation. But in first commit, so the church, the temple had fallen to disrepair. Joash noticed it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Do you not know, speaking to the church, speaking to the believers, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we should care not only for the building, but you are more important. You're like the temple. And so as he took an honest assessment of the temple, we as Christians need to take an honest assessment of this temple. We need to take an honest assessment of ourselves. And we should do this often with the help of the Holy Spirit, for he's able to show us areas in our lives that we might be overlooking. A lot of times we overlook things in our own lives. So it's good to get the Holy Spirit involved And these could be matters of the heart and of the mind. And most of our problems start in our heart and our mind. In Psalms chapter 26, verse 2, the psalmist said, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. You see, maybe maybe you could be headed off course with the Lord. Maybe you think you're you're going in the right direction, but you're heading in the opposite direction of the Lord. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40, it says, Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. It's good to examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. We should check our moral shortcomings. Often, as prescribed in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Let a man examine himself. Let us examine ourselves and let us do it often. We should check our spiritual life because we could be self-deceived and miss out on eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to, as to whether you are in the faith. We take this Bible and we test ourselves. And it says, Do you not know that you yourselves, that, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? So I want to live my life and examine my life according to God's word. You see, an examination is a self-check only. Self-check only. You know, don't be too worried about the other person sitting next to you. It's a self-check. I need to do a self-check. Get to the line more quickly. But it says, let each one, in Galatians chapter 4, and 6 verse 4, it says, but let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. But here a little side note in ministry, for ministry positions of, of pastors and overseers, there is a check for, uh, we should check with humility, uh, by the actions and characters, uh, according to God's word, do people meet a biblical standard for those positions? We see this in First Timothy chapter 3 and also Titus chapter 1. 
But things run better when we check things. You know, I, I, think of, I think of my car. You know, there's really four things that you should check often and you should maintain your car. Um, you know, uh, oil check. I need to check my oil. I need to check water or coolant. I need to check my tires. And I need to check my brakes. And we're called the temple of the Lord and I should check my heart like I check my car. Why? Because it runs better when everything is in its right order or have the right fluids and everything is, is maintained. You know, I liken the water. The, actually, the Bible says the word of God is likened to water. You know, we see this in Psalms chapter 1. We see this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word dwell in you richly. Man, you should be topped off with the Word of God in your life daily. I think of the oil, checking the oil, prayer, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and Jude chapter 1, and verse 20 says that we should pray in the Holy Spirit. We should pray with the Holy Spirit, with that anointing. Pray that you would be filled with with the oil of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the, the priests used to put a little oil on their ear so they, that their ear would be anointed, so they, they would hear God on their right thumb, so that their hands would be anointed for the work of ministry, and then they would anoint their right toe so that their feet would be anointed to walk in God's ways. And we should do the same thing, filled with the oil of the Word and the Spirit. I liken the, the, the brakes to checking the brakes to stopping for fellowship. We need to stop in for fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us to let us stop and to consider one another. Let's meet together, the Bible tells us. Am I meeting together with other believers to consider one another, to stir up each other into love and good works the bible tells us to do this we need to stop to do this but a lot of times we're too busy i can't go to church i'm too busy we need to stop and have fellowship and the bible tells us to encourage one another to stir up one another for good works exhort one another even more as you see the day approaching what day judgment Judgment Day. I need to stop in for fellowship. And I liken the checking the tires to sharing the gospel. You know, we're called to share the good news. The, the bad news is, hey man, we're in trouble. The good news is Jesus paid your fine and people could have everlasting life. Or we're assisting in the work of the gospel, you know, by giving or supporting in ministry. So we need to take an honest assessment of this temple if we're not where we should be this morning we pray and and we take that honest assessment and we step forward and god will help you and i I love that acts chapter one and eight he says he will give you the power of the holy spirit to walk in such such a way that pleases him so verse six to sixteen we see what happens after uh, Joash had uh, appointed the priest to do all these things. It says, so now it happened in the 23rd year of, uh, of King Joash. He's 30 years old at this time. 
that the priest had not repaired the damages of the temple. And King Joash said to the high priest and to the other priests, and he said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now, therefore, do not take the money from your, uh, from your, your community, but deliver it for the repairing of the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Then the high priest took a chest and he bore a hole in its lid and he set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord and the priest who kept the door put all the money they brought into the temple of the Lord. And so it was whenever they saw that it was, uh, it was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and they put it in bags and they counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money which had been appointed into the hands of those who did the work, who had oversight of the house of the Lord. And they paid it out to the carpenters, the builders who had worked on the house of the Lord and to the masons and stone cutters for the buying of timber and hewed or sculpted stone to repair the damages of the house of the Lord and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. However, they did not make uh, for the house of the Lord the basins of silver, the trimmers, the sprinkling bowls, the trumpets, or any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. And they gave it to the workmen, and the workmen repaired the house of the Lord with it, Moreover, they did not require an account from the men whose hand they had delivered the money to be paid to the workmen, for they dealt faithfully. The money from the trespass offering and the money from the sin offering was brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. So the first thing we see here is oversight. You know, they, they didn't get the things done, but we see uh, oversight, follow-up. The king asked these guys, the priests, to do this, and they didn't do it. You know, they dropped the ball. You know, follow-up is a good thing. And here in verse 7, the king says, Why have you not repaired the damage of the temple? And again, remember, we were instructed, we're the temple. We're going to give an account to our God one day. He's going to say, why didn't you do these things? You know, I instructed you to do these things. Why didn't you do these things? They were, they were beneficial for you. You know, one day we're going to give an account. He speaks, uh, you know, he spoke his word, but he expected them to follow directions. And, and the Lord too, God will speak to us. Our king speaks to us through his word but he expects us to follow his directions. We see this in Matthew. We're going to give an account to him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Matthew 18, 23. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is, like a, is likened unto a certain king which would take an account of his servants. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, So then everyone shall give an account of himself to God. But you see, dropping the ball, they failed. And they weren't doing what was expected of them the first time. 
But, I, but the king, like our gracious Lord, is merciful and willing to forgive and give you another opportunity. But he still has expectations. You need to do it. And here they were willing to yield. And verse 8 says the priests agreed that they would neither receive the money that the people brought in nor repair the damages. And, and I was looking over this. And as I was thinking about this, they, they were priests. They weren't construction workers. And I'm sure there must have been a few things that, you know, they could have done. But the, most of the scope of their work was, was different. It was, you know, taking care of, of, of the things of God. And, you know, it could happen to us. You know, there, a piece of molding fell off the, the church uh, probably about three years ago. And um, it's, still, it's still there. And the Lord was showing me, all I need to do is walk into the maintenance room, get a couple of nails, and go get a ladder and tack it up myself. I need to go and do that. You know, um, but here the priest did make a box, and we see here in verse 9, uh, this shows that good, well-meaning leaders... You know, this shows me that good, well-meaning leaders might have good motivation. You know, uh, the king had a good motivation. He had a good plan, but he, he didn't have the right people for the right roles for the plan to come together. And I praise the Lord that God brings the right people for the right task. And the king didn't throw in the towel or scrap the project when things didn't go right the first time. And that, that happens in ministry too. A, a lot of times things don't go right or we don't have the right people in the right spot. So pray that you're in the right place in the right spot and God calls you uh, to be in the right roles and the right responsibilities so that the work of God gets done. But here in verse 10, we see accountability uh, and safeguards with parameters uh, he appointed the scribe, his own scribe, and the, high, and the high priest. They came up and they put the money in bags together. And they counted the money together in the house of the Lord. And they gave the money to uh, the workers and those who were oversights. And these are good standards for ministry and life. And, you know, we, we kind of use these standards here, uh, kind of a model for ministry. You know, we're, we teach, do not be alone with the money. Do not be alone with the women. Or ladies, the men, or vice versa, and do not rob God of his glory. So here we see some accountability uh, that the king expected. And with us too, there should be accountability for us as well. You know, we should adhere to um, putting safeguards in our life. But here in verse 11 through 12, they paid their bills from the offering to those who worked with and for the materials that were needed. In verse 13, there's kind of a little side note that, you know, the things, these sprinkling bowls, these things of gold and silver were not used from these certain funds. Verse 14 through 60, 14 through 16, they did not require an account of the workers for they were faithful in character. And that's where we need to be in ministry. We need to be faithful in character. But here we see that with all with the sin offering and the trespass offering uh, that was brought into the house of the Lord, it was enough to take care 
of the priest and, and the priest's needs. And, you know, pray for the ministry workers here in ministry, that we would have good character, that we bring glory to the Lord, that we would be faithful to get the work done in ministry as we see the new year coming. But I thank the Lord that things are being taken care of in ministry as far as the bills and the repairs and the maintenance, you know. Um, And we thank the Lord that, you know, through the offerings and all these things that, you know, your pastors are well taken care of when we, and we praise the Lord for that. You know, things were looking up for this congregation, its temple at this time. Things were getting done. People were giving and the workers were working. Needs were met. Goals were getting achieved. But the downfall comes when God's people, to God's people, The downfall comes to God's people. How does this happen? Verse 2 gives us the start of this soon-to-be-quenched revival. It says, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. You see, his relationship was based upon the high priest. And when he died, that all changed. You see, when we do things that are right in the sight of the Lord, we in the ministry will progress. But when we do detour from doing what is right, it's just a matter of time that we will fall. You see, the spiritual leader died and Joash no longer walked in the ways in which he instructed him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 17 through 22, tells us what happened. And it says, after the death of the high priest, the, leader, the leaders of Judah came and they bowed before Joash and they persuaded him and he listened to their advice. They decided to abandon the temple of the Lord, their God, and they started worshiping in the high places again. Because of this sin, the Bible says, the divine anger of the Lord fell on Jerusalem and Judah. Yet, God was still merciful. God sent prophets to them. And his prophets warned them, Hey, check your heart. Hey, you need to get right. Hey, you need to get things back in order. But it says they didn't listen to them. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of the high priest, and he stood before the people and he said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands and keep yourself from prospering? He's pleading with God's people. Why are you turning away? Why are you disobeying the Lord's commands? You're keeping yourself from prospering. Man, you're going on a way what's no good. And it says, you have abandoned the Lord and he has abandoned you. Then the leaders plotted to kill Zechariah and King Joash, who had done all these things in the temple, said, gave the orders to stone him to death in the Lord's temple, in the court of the Lord's temple. see, 
once we turn away from the Lord, it could be a dangerous thing. We're going in the opposite of direction of the Lord God. You know, it puts us in an easy place for the enemy to destroy us. And we see this here in verses 17 through 18. We see the king of Syria coming here and he comes to fight against them. And then he came and he started intimidating them and he started taking things from land from them. And then the king goes into the treasuries of the Lord's house and starts getting all the treasuries of the Lord's house. And he starts giving them to the king. Heziel, the king of Syria. And he gives them all. And, and that's what the... When we turn away from the Lord, the enemy will start robbing you of what God has blessed you with. It's that simple. At the end of 18, we see he, the king goes out to battle and he, he's now wounded. He's vulnerable. And in verse 19 through 23, the enemy will not only rob and take all those things that are valuable from you, but he will also take your life. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And it started because he turned away from the Lord. And this this is what was written. His own guys, his own guys that were close to him end up killing him, conspiracy against him, and they struck him down. You know, what will be written of us? You know, it's not how well we start, but how we finish. It isn't last year, it's today and going forward, how we finish. Remember that there are high places that need to be removed because the influence of those things could lead you away to your own room. Remember that you're the temple. Notice and and check where things are wearing down or, or things are not right. Remember to maintain good stewardship of what God has given you. The word and prayer and fellowship. And sharing the gospel. Be a good steward of what God has given you. A steward is responsible for the care and the upkeep of things. Make sure you're upkeeping your spiritual uh, care and the care of your families and those things God has given to you. You see, they were prosperous, but into the hands of the enemy, the enemy started taking them, taking things away. Remember, have a plan, but start small. Do a little something every day and move forward. We need to remember to stay focused. And that's our plan. Stay focused and make sure that we progress. Remember, accountability is a good thing. But remember, Joash It says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of the high priest. But remember, we need to be the same person when no one is looking. Because we're accountable to God. He always sees. He's always watching. 
Lastly, again, like I said, it's not how well we start, but how we finish. So be careful of those who influence you. Let it be the Word and the Holy Spirit. You know, yeah, I have your brothers and sisters influence you in the Lord, but your Christian walk shouldn't be dependent upon no one because that person's not going to be there all the time. But the Lord is. My, my, my relationships be based upon my relationship with the Lord. He's always there. He'll never let you down. Let the Holy Spirit influence you and teach you and guide you. Because there will come people in your life like Joash. We see in 2 Chronicles 24, 17. They persuaded him to listen to their advice. You know, we have the world telling us what, how, how to live and how to be, what we should be doing, influencing or influencers, persuade, pers- using persuasive words to stimulate us, to get us to sway, to manipulate you from the goal or to win you over. That's what an influencer does. And we need to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. He needs to influence my life. That's the right order. We're likened to a temple in Psalms chapter 127 verse 1. It's, I love this verse. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. And, and that's where we are, Christian. We, you know, we have our part, but the Lord does the greater part. We just have to say, Lord, have your way. Take a look. Take a look back because your back is behind you. Take a step forward. You know, we have a belt ceremony. We get, you know, we have a curriculum. We, in martial arts, um, they have a belt system where you do all kinds of things. You learn these things. And what they do is they, they put the belt, they lay the belt out, your new belt, and you step over the belt. And it's one step closer. The new year is one step closer. What, we, what we've learned from our failures, taking that inward look, we're one step closer to the Lord coming. Let us be a ready people. Let us be ready to meet the Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you for this text, Lord. It shows us, Lord, that there are high places. It says, but the high places. Father, may that not be of us, Lord. May the high places be torn down in our lives. May we take an honest assessment of our lives. Is the work getting done? Is there things getting done, Lord? Help us to get a little done every day of what we need to do, of tearing things down or removing things from our life. But do the, you do the greater part, Lord. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain, Lord. Father, you called us to labor. You called us to do certain things, read and pray and fellowship and share the gospel. Help us to take that step forward. 
and through the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you be glorified in our lives. Father, we pray, Lord, that there would be no dilapidated areas in our lives or in our church. And if so, these things will be removed. Lord, check our hearts. May we doing, may we be a people doing that which is right in your eyes. So when our king comes, we can be busy and we could hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Father, we love you. We just uh, ask again for a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. Prepare our hearts for communion, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Don's going to come out and share communion with us. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or here it is. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Would you pray with me this morning, please? Gracious God, our Father in heaven, we humbly come before your throne of grace in this year of 2023, Lord, looking with great expectancy what you would like to do with our lives, Lord. You've given each one of us an assignment. That's why we're still here. And Father, I pray this morning as we come to the communion table, Lord, we set our hearts before you. Lord, forgive us. Prepare us. Prepare us for this year. Prepare us for this moment. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, he told his disciples that if you want to stick with, with me, if you want to be with me and follow me, and if you want to save your soul, and if you want to save the souls of others, it will require three things that we see here in our text. First, we will need to say no to ourselves. See, the biggest problem is not outside of you or outside of me. Our biggest problem is inside of me or inside of you. The biggest problem is you. To follow Christ means to learn how to say no to you. This is a big deal because you really don't like to tell you no. I know I don't, at least not about the things I want. Example, it's easy for me to tell myself when it comes to eating squash or zucchini, no. That I can do. That's easy. But when it comes to eating fried chicken, mmm, 
or, or that roasted chicken at Old World Deli? Oh, that's another, that's another whole different story. That's when I run into some serious soul temper tantrum, trying anything and everything to talk myself out of telling myself no. I mean, I'm like a little four-year-old at Walmart who wants a toy and throwing themselves down on the floor, but hey, I got to have that. Yet, to fear God as king and to follow Jesus as head of your life, there are things we must deny ourselves. But it's for our good. It's for our own good. But we have to be able to have victory over our flesh. Secondly, then you must take up your cross, it says in the text, which is frequently a misunderstood concept. I've often heard people quoting this passion, this passage in relation to uh, a situation at work, their home life, or their personal life, and I will hear things like, well, I'll just have to pick up my cross because this person gets on my last nerve and I have a hard time with them. Or they'll say, I'll have to pick up my cross, my in-law, it's just a cross that I must bear. Or I have a headache, so that's a cross that I'm going to have to bear. But what Christ said is that you are to pick up your cross. The cross that you are bearing is you. There was only one reason why the Roman government ordered someone to carry his own cross, and that was because he was going to be crucified on it. And you could do a whole study just on that. A cross is an instrument of death. When Jesus carried his cross, he was walking to Calvary with the instrument of his own death. Carrying his cross was an open, tangible submission to the law of the land, the Roman government. When a believer or follower denies himself and carries his cross, he is submitting to another law higher to himself. He is yielding to deny his wants, his desires, his will, in exchange for following the wants, desires, and the will of the one he is following. God. God. Even in the garden, before Jesus carried his cross, he said to God, Father, if you were willing... Remove this cup from me. Jesus didn't want to do it. But he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. To carry our cross, we are to yield to God's will. And this must be done on a daily basis in 2023 if we are to see victory. If we are going to live the victorious life in Christ. And in closing... First, we deny ourselves. Secondly, we take up our cross. Thirdly, we follow Jesus. You die while you simultaneously truly live. This is when you experience the reality that whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. Matthew 16, 25. What some people call life really isn't living. Only in following Jesus do you truly get to embrace life. One of my favorite scripture verses in John 10.10, he says, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, I have come that I may give you life and that I may give you that life more abundantly. Do you want to live that abundant life? I know I do. 
To do that, follow Jesus. Follow him in 2023. But this morning, follow him to the communion table. The worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship. Prepare your hearts. Go before the Lord. Get ready to follow him in 2023. Let's worship.
And when he had given thanks, that is Jesus, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup together. Gracious God in heaven, we do this in remembrance of you. And we remember how you saved us. We remember how you gave us hope. We see your presence conquers darkness. Father, we will put our trust in you. You have been a shield. You have been a fortress. God, there is none like you. Ancient of days, we will follow you. O Son of God, we will follow you. Forever and ever, we will follow you. We pray this by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Christ Jesus. And together all God's people said, Amen.